he accidentally brought a skirt. <laughs> yes. There he is. Dun, dun, dun. It was worth the wait. <laughs> is that free Willy? Is that Whoa. free Willy? <laughs> All right. Now, you guys are making me look bad. I thought this was the... Uh, Portland uh, movie cosplay event. <laughs> I'm here as Willie the Whale. I'm dressed as a as a background artist. As a podcaster? As a podcaster, yes. I'm dressed as Shelley Long in Frozen Assets. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Wizard World 2019. Thank you guys for coming. We are Portland at the movies. Mark, you want to play us in? I do. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty. All that stands between a city and a disaster. If you thought you had seen it all. Are we so stupid as to equate a man's virility with the number of spermatozoa in his reproductive fluid? Hello, as I said, we are pulling at the movies. My name is Todd Workoven. Next to me is Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? I'm doing really well, Todd. Happy to be at Wizard World in front of a live audience. I know. I am shocked that there is anyone here, but thank you guys for coming. At the end of our table is Mark Middleton. Wait, wait, wait. you do real just so everyone is aware, this is Portland of the, the movies. movies. You're in the right room. I am not Harry You're Hamlin. I'm just here early for the next one. Awesome. Thanks for coming. I'm Mark Middleton. Uh, and we are a little bit Frozen Assets themed. Not only do I have a wonderful blanket that Brian, uh, the Unipiper, gave me for my birthday, uh, but we use that as I knew it's what you wanted. And it's exactly, he, he read my heart and got me a, a plush Frozen Assets uh, blanket based on the VHS color. But uh, today we're going to do something a little different. We're not reviewing a single movie. We're taking kind of a look back at the 25 or so uh, movies that we've done so far and kind of picking out our favorite moments uh, that either were our favorite Portland moments or our favorite movie moments or just something that we discovered. That was unbelievable. Yes, that was it. Because we... When In the we case of Frozen Assets, that would be the entire movie. <laughs> the existence of Frozen Assets, which I still think is a is a some sort of scam to uh, give a production money, uh, production company money where uh, they couldn't trace where it was going. Whoever so. green-lighted that show like, <laughs> really did It's living in the Cayman Islands now. It's a terrible movie. But we decided to try to uh, pick maybe uh, two or three uh, of our favorite uh, moments from, from the, the movies that we've done so far. Uh, Brian, do you want to kind of give us an overview and give us a couple, couple picks of the things that you remembered when you, when you look back at, at the movies that we've done? Yeah, I'll start us off. Um, I le let me consult my list. I wrote these down. I, I want to make sure I get these right. Because um, I, I have them in a certain order. Because there, there's certain levels of unbelie unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> I was gonna say unbelievability. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make that a word if it's not. Um, uh, ah, yes. Uh, how could I forget? Let's uh, let, let's start with uh, a movie that um, a lot of people don't even realize is is a Portland movie. Um, and and how could I forget? Because it's what I came dressed as. We're talking, of course, about Free Willy. Ah, yes. Yes. Um, now, Free Willy, uh, of course, the, the whale uh, lived in Oregon for a while in Newport. Uh, most people consider that an Astoria movie, which um, a lot of it was shot in Astoria. But uh, there is actually, and this I think surprised all of us, because I don't think any of us had actually like watched the movie before we sat down and forced ourselves to. Right. But a significant portion of that movie is filmed in Portland. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at that. There's Pioneer Square, there's a lot of uh, the bridge going back and forth that cheats and says that 
one side of the river is Portland and you just drive over the, what bridge was it? The, the, the Hawthorne bridge. bridge. So you take the Hawthorne bridge and you end up immediately in Astoria. In Astoria, which is pretty great. But there was way more Portland, you're right, in that than, than I remember. There was, there was also a lot of Oaks Park and Oaks Park plays a, a big role in a lot of movies in Portland. It does. It shows up again and again. Um, so that's actually, that. that is the specific part that I wanted to talk about today, Todd, was uh, the sense of geography in, in Free Willy. And I, I love, what I love about watching these movies is uh, the movies, some of them don't take place in Portland. They just happen to be filmed in Portland. Um, others uh, are set in Portland, but they are not actually filmed in Portland. I'm looking at you, uh, made for Lifetime uh, Christmas movies. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, there's that category where they are both filmed and set in Portland. Uh, but Free Willy is actually in a category all of its own because it, it uh, was filmed in Portland, um, and it kind of takes place in Portland. It, it is an unnamed city. Northwest yeah. territory. It is basically. supposed to be a, a city the size of Portland situated on the Oregon coast, right. and they never name it. Uh, so yeah, Free Willy, it was, it was surprising how much Portland was in that movie. And I think, I still think at this point, Free Willy might be the high point of the movies that we've watched as far as wow. it, it being competent. It's, I mean, it's clearly not made for our demographic right now, but it's a, it's a decent movie. It's, it's well remembered. Um, and based on everything else that we've done, I mean, what... Fox. What would you put above this? I, I don't want to think about it. Halloween Town? <laughs> Halloween Town. That, yeah. I hate you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's enough about Free Willy. Okay. Uh, Todd, how about, uh, since you were pushing the issue, tell, tell us one of your favorite moments in Portland film history. So one of my favorite moments occurred in one of our favorite movies, which was Fatal Revenge, which was... Uh, an amazing I would put that above Free Willy. I would, oh, you put that above Free Willy. Uh, in a different category, I would too. But there is a part towards the end, or uh, the climax, the big climax on Mount Wait, what, what is Fatal Revenge? Fatal Revenge uh, is a movie that we were only able to obtain in German. <laughs> so I'm still a little unclear on the, the plot. The plot. So the only copy we have is German. So uh, if anyone speaks German, let us know what you're about It did not hear. come with subtitles. We had to order it from Germany. And a different, yeah, in the PAL format, which we had to get transferred onto a DVD so that we can finally watch it. Um, but at the end of this movie, there's a, boy, there, there's a suitcase full of money that ends up on top of Mount Hood. The bad guys are trying to get it from our good guys, and they kidnap um, Lady from the story, and that's basically her whole character is just being Lady. And so she gets kidnapped, and halfway up there... They're walking up Mount Hood, which is something in itself, but they, well, instead of picking her up, instead of, in, how do they choose to carry a woman up a mountain? Do you have the clip here? I, I have the clip. I don't know if it's the clip that you wanted, but we'll, we'll play it. Well, first, I think I put it first at a guy laughing like Daffy Duck, but then it cuts to that scene, I believe. Okay, let's see what happens. This is Fatal Revenge, the German cut. Let's just pause there. That is a four-barrel rocket launcher. That almost, uh, the when they first shot it, he had it backwards, and he almost killed a bunch of crew members. <laughs> so thankfully, they got that. Because, I mean, there are story. huge explosions that happen on Mount Hood. Like, in the middle of the woods, on this, it's technically private property. They knew the people who owned Mount Hood's meadow. And so they just went up there with explosives and filmed it all, which is incredible. There were no permits. But I only included this guy because he laughs like Daffy Duck uh, in this, which, and then it will cut to them kidnapping the woman.
Okay. Oh, that made me laugh so hard when I saw that. Thank you for bringing like that. that up again. I forgot the. I remember the rocket launcher, but the, the carrying the woman up Mount Hood scene. Oh, that was my favorite. Thank you, Todd. That was that was good. Uh, dare I turn my head and ask uh, Mark what he cares to share with us? I, you know, there's a lot of hate for frozen assets, uh, including myself, but. Uh, the the plot of frozen assets is so inexplicable uh, that I I how did this get made you know, you, so you struggle with its existence I struggle so Zach was an executive at a Los Angeles bank he gets a new job at a at a bank in Oregon moves up and finds out that it was actually a sperm bank that he got a job at that he uh, didn't know right he didn't know that okay and, and so and that's the one joke in the movie the whole movie. So, so uh, they uh, they deal with a shortage of donations and hold a contest for a hundred thousand dollar prize for uh, the, the the most donations that somebody will give. So citizens abstain from sex to save themselves for bank deposits. And uh, it's Shelley Long and... Uh, Corbin Burnson. Yeah. I think the most unbelievable part of the movie, like that's the premise, but the tone it takes is like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, a, it, it positions itself. I mean, looking at that cover is like a fun family TGIF type thing, but it's all about sperm at one point there is a strike put on by the wives of the community and prostitutes in solidarity for some reason right because the wives are not get yeah and the the uh, prostitutes are, are losing business it, it, yeah the men are saving themselves for this contest and so uh nobody's having sex and so they are uh throwing a strike and it was filmed in portland and thankfully Uh, it is available nowhere except for this one copy right here which perhaps (laughs) we should just set on fire so nobody has to experience so i've got the trailer queued up let's uh, i'm gonna play 30 seconds the trailer so folks can can just get a sense of like how this was even marketed wait uh, what i was gonna do is roger ebert gave a great review of this so before we show the trailer here's roger ebert uh So I felt like I was an eyewitness to a disaster. If I had been an actor in the film, I would have wondered why all the characters in the movie seem dumber than the average roadkill. What puzzles me is this film's tone. It's essentially a children's film with a dirty mind. This is a film to watch in appalled silence. To call it this year's worst would be a kindness. And they went on, so that was his written review in their their TV show, the Siskel and and Ebert show. They both said that like in the 27 years of watching movie it was the single worst thing they had ever seen so so if, if you know fourth and oak there's a little uh, starbucks at fourth and oak uh that's the building that they filmed uh, most of frozen assets at and here we go this is frozen assets i can't handle it anymore it's so <laughs> sad to see the wonderful shelly long stuck in this movie and not even she can make it funny it is depressing (sighs) why did we have to go back there we were having so much fun with fatal revenge (laughs) and just think todd all the times you're going to be able to curl up on the couch and keep yourself nice and cozy with your frozen assets blanket now (laughs) fuming in rage at the existence of that movie uh, okay, uh, so I'm going to share my next pick. Uh, it, it is uh, probably the only pick on our list today that is on the list simply uh, for one line. This is 
a single line of dialogue. And the irony here is that this line of dialogue comes from a film uh, that technically has no dialogue in a way, sort of. Okay, let me back up. This comes from a 1972 film called Defula, of course, filmed in Portland. And uh, it, it was along the lines of um, they were just any sort of Dracula, uh, how can we twist the Dracula formula? Well, they needed, uh, they wanted a film to uh, fit the bill to be the first film entirely filmed in American Sign Language. So th th it was popular at the time that we, we had uh, Dracula 1972 with uh, Peter Cushing. Uh, we had uh, Blackula, uh, and this was the deaf exploitation version uh, called Defula. Of course. Um, and. All of the dialogue is done in American Sign Language, um, and there is a dubbed version so that uh, people who uh, don't understand sign language can can watch it and figure out what's going on. So a lot of it, it's um, what you hear in the dubbed version is, is like verbatim what their hands are signing. So a lot of it, if you don't understand like deaf culture and and uh, um, like deaf shorthand, it, it doesn't quite make sense. It's well, almost and my belief is that the actors didn't know that they were going to be translated later and I think they were told to just kind of like fill time like stretch it out and so I think they were just chatter in the background seeing, yeah and trying to do like the watermelon watermelon of, of, of sign language whatever that was and they were horrified to learn that that was just being translated verbatim right so this line of dialogue that I that I love so much comes from a scene in the movie where they're in a bar and the scene goes on for like five minutes and it's one continuous cut and the camera kind of pans around in the bar to different people having different conversations and so it's almost like you're uh, sitting in on, on different conversations as they happen and it starts in the back where there's a couple talking and they're signing and you hear like so you want to come back to my place and then it's like oh where do you live <laughs> and then they just go in it and then we go like three couples later you then see the the first couple they're walking out holding hands kissing <laughs> it's, it's like that movie time code where you can everything is going on and you can kind of pay attention to the ones you want until it brings you back yeah. to the main plot so anyways after after just aimlessly meandering around the bar we come to our uh, main characters and uh, they are they're talking um, uh, there's been a sheriff who uh, a detective who arrives from England and he's here to help uh, with these seemingly uh, um, these dead bodies that have shown up and they have like puncture marks in their neck so they're suspecting vampire activity and he claims to be the person who put uh, defula in his grave in England so he's come to, to help out so they're sitting around at the bar getting to know each other um, and uh, it's the two friends and a third just showed up um, and they're about to take their order um, and that's where the scene takes place uh, and picks up right there so let's watch want to order a drink sure. want to order a drink sure what do you want um beer beer okay oh nuts peanuts i'm going to get him that was a long time ago his father is a preacher So good to see you again. Like the, the long, long friends they haven't seen each other in a long time. How does he follow up that line? Here it comes. A moment ago, I ordered peanut. <laughs> a moment ago, I ordered peanuts. That line for us just kind of became an inside joke, and so you know, w w it, if we don't have anything to say, the, 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 we just. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. I love it. I can't watch great. that clip enough. So, Mark, what other movie have you been surprised that we've, we've done in the past, now that you're looking through our list? Yeah, uh, so uh, what year was Kansas City Bomber? That was 1973? 72 or 73. I think it might have also been 72. Yeah, 72. So um, Raquel Welch, 
starred in a roller derby movie set in Portland. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, there was actually a Time Life cover uh, featured uh, featuring it. A lot of it was shot up in the um, Expo Center in uh, North Portland. And what was most fantastic about this movie, like what took it over the top, were the extras. So they, they seen, filmed a lot of the scenes of the roller derby rink with everybody going around the roller derby. And uh, the extras went way over the top and were were extra extras. It's like <laughs> if they took a TriMet bus uh, of uh, just any random TriMet bus, just froze time right now and took a random bus and told everyone on the bus, we're not going to your destination. We're taking you. You're going to be extras in a movie right now. Get excited. Except this happened in 1972 and they were all taking the bus from a SWAT meet. <laughs> um, it, before I play this, I just want to say that this movie doesn't get the love it deserves. Like Portland is a roller derby town, and we have probably the most <coughs> famous roller derby movie of all time that was filmed right here. Um, so, Rose, anyways, Rose City Rollers are, won the national championship this this year. Did they this year? Yeah, that's awesome. All because of uh, this movie. Yeah, <laughs> all because of. So I'm gonna play the clip. Uh, I'm gonna turn the sound off and just let because it goes on for a while, so we can just absorb it. And if there's anything else you want to narrate or say about it, Mark, go ahead. But just watch some of this. All right, that's <laughs> enough of that. Well, speaking of, this is this is vintage, uh, a vintage slice of Portland. Um, like we said, a lot of times movies are filmed here. It doesn't even either really take place in Portland, or you don't see it a whole lot. Um, the one thing I was shocked at when we watched uh, we watched Foxfire, which was a better movie than I was expecting. It was a, it's a fairly decent movie. I, I'm just curious. We have an audience here. We can actually. No, we do. Hello. We, we always wonder if people know things. We, have, we can <laughs> test it out here. <laughs> do you? How know many things? of you know or have seen the movie Foxfire from 1999 with Angelina Jolie? <laughs> one guy in the back sheepishly folding. <laughs> Two, three, four, okay. four. Okay. Nice. So, so it has a little recognition. A little bit, yeah. So it's very a very Lilith Fair 1997 um, coming-of-age movie with a, a group of girls. Angelina Jolie is in it. Um, but there is a shot at the end that I still find astonishing and is probably my favorite shot that I've seen in the movies that we've done so far. Not because it's just a beautiful shot of Portland, but how they do this. I'm, it's, this is the credit scene, so some of it will be obscured a little bit. But this is a shot of... Uh, this main character getting on top of the Broadway bridge and standing up and it's a helicopter shot that just continues to pull back and how they allowed these this actress to get on top of the bridge which looks like there's no safety I mean I'm sure there was but just the way it's done yeah. was so amazing to me and it's such a great shot of the city so let's take a look at that Closes out the credits, I think. Uh, yeah, and it just fades going. Like that. I mean, it goes for another two minutes before it it's, fades I, it's, to black. It's so. a really great uh, way to do credits. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I wish it was available without all the credits over it because it's just so nice. Because you don't care about the people that put this movie together <laughs> and seeing their names in Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> it was really. I'll give it a pass. It was 1997. Comic Sans was brand new. <laughs> Because it was one of nothing summed up uh, the angst of the late '90s more than Comic Sans. It was a free font. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so yeah, that was the other one that I had. All right, um, so I guess it's my turn. Uh, So my last pick, 
um, is uh, oh my gosh yes uh, so let's let's uh, rewind to uh, last February um, there was an event in Portland uh, that we were invited to um, because we're one of the movie podcasts in town um, they didn't realize that we just made fun of movies but that that's okay um, how many of you heard of the Tanya Harding Film Festival is that a thing anyone here knew was a thing well, it was the first annual. <laughs> so are they having it again? I don't know. Maybe not. I, <laughs> doubt made that up. I doubt it. Uh, we didn't know if Tanya was going to herself, uh, whether she would show. She did not. Spoilers. Um, but we watched. Uh, th there is, there's enough material out there to have uh, a Tanya Harding Film Festival, which was surprising in and of itself. And it was a, a build as a double feature. Um, there was, an, uh, I don't, f I forget the year, but it was before any of the controversy or, or drama of the Olympics with Tanya Harding. It was... Uh, a documentary, hour-long documentary, just based on uh, about Tanya and all the training that she went through, and it's amazing. Um, a lot of Margot Robbie's performance in uh, *I Tanya* was based upon uh, this documentary. It was made in the '80s. She was still young. I don't. She was still a teenager when they were making yeah. this. And her mom shows up in it with a parrot on her shoulder. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating. Uh, it was all shot on handheld VHS. I don't know if you can watch it now, but I remember at the film festival they were saying it was going to maybe be a special feature on the I, oh, Tanya DVD. I didn't see. I hope it is because it's it was, it's great. I encourage everyone to go see it. But anyways, the other uh, half of the film festival was a movie uh, from, what was it, 1996, I believe? I don't remember. Around 96, it was after Tanya kind of blew up, um, and it, it was called Breakaway, and it's a generic uh, straight-to-video mid-90s action schlock uh, movie that was practically complete, but then they just shoehorned Tanya Harding into it so that they could uh, put her name on it and, and try and sell some extra copies. And it's called Breakaway. Um, and th there are some good scenes in it. Uh, uh, they shot uh, at Omzi is where they shot her parts for this. Uh, yes. Yeah, Tanya so Harding at Omzi. And she's only in it for, like I said, she was shoehorned in there, and I, I wouldn't say her scenes last more than seven minutes yeah. in total. Um, but my favorite fact about that movie Breakaway is that uh, Tanya Harding was still on parole uh, when this movie was filmed, and uh, I guess her parole officer found out that she was going to have to be holding a gun for portions of the movie, and he was like, no. <laughs> so they made her uh, punch and kick and then use a knife. Barred from using a prop gun on the movie. So this is this is one of her uh, kick-ass action scenes where Tanya Hart. And I just learned this today, going back uh, researching this movie, just to remind myself about it. But she choreographed uh, this fight scene by herself. Oh wow! And I think it shows. Um, so <laughs> So you know the saying, bringing a knife it is apparent. Yeah. So you know the saying, bringing a knife to a gunfight. Well, in this movie, this is the this is bringing Tanya to a gunfight. <laughs> this is in this is what happens when when you are Tanya Harding and you do not have uh, permission to carry a gun. All right. Notice everyone has guns except for Tanya. Tanya Harding, folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful.
a beautiful performance. I think that might have been the longest single take uh, scene of, of any Tanya footage in that whole movie. <laughs> Worthy of this Oscar weekend that we have here. Yeah. So Breakaway, is that what this movie was called? I completely <laughs> forgot, because Breaking In is another movie where I did, but I had completely forgotten about this. Mark, when you Me were too. just going through our list, what were some of the other ones that you were shocked we actually watched? <laughs> that, we, that we've actually seen? Before we get to that, Todd, where I thought you were going with that oh. line of thought yeah. was the uh, German subtitle of this film I just love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Germany, if you want to find this film, uh, it's called Breakaway Dash Flut in der Hula, which means escape from hell. It just, <laughs> it's not what it sounds like, but Flut in der Hula. <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, now we'll turn to you. Yeah, so there's there's been some really interesting movies that we've done. Dr. Giggles uh, was a was a film that we uh, reviewed here, which is about a psychopathic uh, doctor. I don't think you need to explain Dr. Giggles. Dr. Uh, Giggles, right, folks? Yeah, filmed in Metzger Park. That might be the most famous movie filmed in Portland. I, it might be, well. Or, or Extraordinary Measures <sighs> was the least memorable movie. Uh, just, I... You know, it was so bland, but uh, that, that was good. Um, uh, Portland Exposé, there was a film noir movie in 1957 that was filmed right here. It, it covers the, uh, the rival gangs of pinball uh, gangs, uh, or the pinball mafia. In the uh, 1940s, it was a real thing. Based on a true story. It was a this real thing, and it was it was covered in Time Magazine, and there was a movie made about it. Life Magazine. Yeah. Oh, Life Magazine. Yeah, yeah uh, Life Magazine. And so the movie was based on the story in Life Magazine. Fascinating story. Um, Unhinged and The Haunting of uh, Sarah Hardy are two movies that we did. They're horror movies filmed up at Pittock Mansion. How, how about uh, the one starring our, our favorite actor? So... That is my favorite movie. So, uh, so Chuck Norris. <laughs> Wait, a that's, movie. A, that's enough right there. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris is in a movie filmed in Portland. And so, he, Chuck Norris plays Forest Warrior. Ha, has anyone seen Forest Warrior? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> has anyone heard of Forest Warrior? He plays someone who passed away a couple hundred years ago and now haunts the spirit of Mount Hood. Uh, as the spirit that that protects it from the evil loggers. Not just the spirit, the spirit of the natives the spirit was of the given to him, right. Chuck Norris, white man. Yes. Right. So, to you know, he's a Native American. Alive. Uh, an honorary Native American. So, as a spirit, he can also shapeshift into an eagle, a bear. Uh, at one point, he swoops in as an eagle then shapeshifts and kicks him uh, as uh, in as the middle Chuck, of the shapeshifts into Chuck Norris, kicking <laughs> someone in the face. Uh, many of you have seen the meme or the gif where he grabs the, uh, Chuck Norris grabs the uh, uh, chainsaw blade with his bare hand. That's from this <laughs> Wait, movie. That's bare the bare hand? Ah, <laughs> uh, And so that's kind of the only... Thing that has uh, yeah. So this movie actually has a bit of internet fame yeah. uh, behind it due to this one scene. So let's watch it. It is amazing. <laughs> Zoom in through the sheer power of staring intently. Chuck Norris saves us from the logging industry. 
Yeah. So that's my favorite is uh, Chuck Norris on Mount Hood, Spirit Warrior. Those are those are some pretty good picks. I'm you know despite all of the crap that we have to sit through, I think it's totally been worth it. You know just for for those moments alone. Well, and I've been I've been shocked. We started this we started this podcast what like two two and a half years ago, and we thought maybe there was ten or fifteen movies we knew about The Hunted and Untraceable and Mr. Holland's Opus and Free Willy and. What? Halloween Town. Halloween Town, yes. That started. That's kind of what started the podcast. What started everything. Um, and we thought there would just be a handful of stuff. And, I mean, we keep uncovering such nonsense and s- s- forgotten things and things that don't exist other than on... It's, we're it's keeping, amazing. We're keeping a, a running list of all the movies we find filmed in Portland. And I think we're over 150 films. And there is no single one list out there that is complete, Uh, and so so we just and a lot of those lists will have something that like oh maybe one or two like Twilight Twilight was well part of you know Twilight was filmed somewhere around here but movies that were solely filmed in and around Portland. We, I mean, over a hundred so far. It's fascinating, yeah. And not like nobody has ever heard of any of the, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably for the best. But it's it's a ama- it's just a weird forgotten chunk of of Portland's history. So if you had to pick just one moment, I think we've talked about some of our favorites. What would you say is your absolute favorite Portland movie moment? I don't know if I can boil it down to a moment because when I when I try to remember like wh- what do I rem- what movies do I remember what moments do I remember. The whole experience of the movie that we reviewed last month called Courier of Death, I think, encapsulates uh, what I really like about doing this podcast. And so this movie called Courier of Death came out in 1986, 82, 84, 84, 89, something like that. I don't even remember. Sometime in the 80s. But it's by a a local filmmaker named Tom Shaw, who a lot of the equipment, if you made movies in the 80s or early 90s, you would get your equipment from this man named Tom Shaw. And he's got such a fascinating backstory. He is such a, a important and obscure part of Portland's uh, film history. And so falling down the Tom Shaw rabbit hole uh, and and finding that documentary that you found about him and about how he worked. He would show up drunk and have his crew members film for him. He, I mean, it's just, and the movie itself, Career of Death, uh, which is all available on YouTube, by the way, is the pinnacle of a great, terrible B movie. And so all of that together, I just felt like encapsulated uh, such a high mark in the show. Yeah, it was kind of like the podcast was finally living up to the promise. It's, right. it's what we've been wanting to find. Yeah. And, and Fatal Revenge and what was the not the sec- total reality? Those were uh, close. Those were close, but Courier of Death just has the the whole package of of what we were hoping to maybe one day find and then finding it and his backstory and that documentary that you found, it was just it was just perfect. And so th- that man, Tom Shaw, any movie filmed in Portland or in the area in, in like the entire decade of the 80s, it was his equipment and he would loan it to filmmakers for free. He, he was a man, he was a local inventor, we'll say, that invented a, a film projection machine that would loop and he sold it to adult stores so that they could just put their films on loop. Uh, so he... He uh, made quite a business doing that, and he was a tinkerer in in making different film machines and all that. And his movie was just terrible. I mean, they're Tommy Wiseau esque. They're just 
awful, he's, awful movies. He started with a film that we hoped to get to. Um, it was a Little Rascals-style movie on Mount Hood. Oh, the didgeridoo is here. <laughs> is there a movie filmed about didgeridoos? <laughs> Probably. Probably. I would not be surprised. Um, but uh, Ironheart, speaking of movies that I've completely forgotten that we've done. Right, a martial arts action movie starring, what was it, the nephew of Bruce Lee? Yes, and Bolo Yoon, who is on the cover and is like the third most important character in the movie, but he was the only person that people had heard of before because he was in uh, Bloodsport. I think another thing that's really surprising about uh, movies filmed in Portland is that a lot of them become cult classics in very niche circles in different countries. Um, like Courier of Death, we found out, uh, has a cult following in Scotland. <laughs> and these, Huge in Scotland. These folks in Scotland like did all the research and, and uh, found the uh, composer living still in Portland and uh, worked with him to re-release the soundtrack to Courier of Death. Yes, which he wants you to buy, and he will let you know all his email addresses online if and you want to get a hold of him. I just randomly ran into him at a Portland event a couple of weeks ago, and I recognized him from this documentary I was talking about, and I, I walked up to him and said, I have a random question, but did you compose the music for Courier of Death? And like just the joy in his <laughs> eyes at that moment. And the first thing he My told me life has meaning again. The first thing he told me was, you know that movie's big in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, and then the the uh, Ironheart up here. This movie is a cult classic in like martial arts circles. Yeah, like it's very highly regarded, I guess, for some of the the fight scenes. Um, and Defila is is a very much a cult classic in, in the, the in the deaf, in community. The deaf community. Right. Yeah. So um, it's just been a very surprising journey, uh, more fulfilling in in certain ways than I expected when we started this uh, Portland movie journey. Yeah, than I ever would have thought. Did you already say your your favorite part or not? Um, I, I think it was Chuck Norris. Okay. My, mine is also Chuck Norris. <laughs> so like Two votes for Chuck Norris and one for Tom Shaw. One for Tom Shaw, just <laughs> as a person, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, then, I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Thank you guys all for coming to our little show. It was great seeing yeah. you. Uh, we do a show. Thank you. Uh, about once a month at portlandatthemovies.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, so check us out there. We've got just a couple of minutes left if I don't know if anybody has questions. Like, <laughs> who are you people? And <laughs> why am I and here? What room is this? I thought it was a cafeteria. But if anyone has any questions or wants to shout out the name of a movie that we might not have heard of, oh, those yeah. are all cool things. Or um, what is your favorite Portland movie? Is there anything we haven't talked about that we should know about? Yeah. Well, you all live in Portland, or you're here today at least. So uh, if you find something, let us know. Um, we're on, like Todd said, portlandofthemovies.com. Uh, we're on Patreon. You know, if you uh, like our show, subscribe to it. And uh, if you want to help us out uh, with, with the cost of some of these movies that, that we have to pick up on VHS, some of them are pretty pricey on the collector's market if you get my drift. Uh, help us out. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We'll be hanging around uh, the show all weekend at the Unipiper table. So come stop by. We'll chat movies. And uh, I'll sell you a Unipiper. Type of shirt. <laughs> Thanks, Thank guys. guys. What was that? Portland TV shows. We've tried to stay away from those so far simply because I think we have enough material with just movies. Um, and most of them, it's, it's been interesting because most of them had turned out, from what I hear, pretty good. 
which is a little less interesting. Than <laughs> <laughs> you can watch than those. That. You don't need someone to tell right. you about why you should like it. Yeah. When we get to our 300th episode, and uh, which would be like 30 years from now, and we run out of things, and we'll start watching Leverage. There's one. Um, I guess we're doing made-for-TV movies. Do, do those count? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's a whole... Uh, I'll give you a sneak preview. There's one. I can't... We haven't reviewed it yet for the show, but I've heard about it, and it looks amazing. It's called... Pillars of Portland, and I believe it's also in the early oh, yeah. 70s, and it's the precursor to Portlandia. It was a sketch show about weird Portland characters in the early 70s, um, and it's it's all on YouTube, so we're yeah, definitely going to be watching that one. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Yes. We do have a YouTube channel, too. Sometimes we put uh, the movies, if they're not available anywhere else, I believe Career of Death is up there, so you can check that out, too. We post uh, uh, the live tapings of our show, too, so you can watch there. But Cool. cool. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah.